Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're beginning a new series today called Step Up, and Pastor Nicole will be diving headlong into one of the most difficult and often uncomfortable topics to discuss, and that is the topic of money. In this series, she'll examine the necessary steps to experiencing God's blessing when it comes to our finances and resources. Today, she'll start with the foundational step of godly stewardship and see how obedience builds trust and faith in God. So let's get started today with our new series. Here's Pastor Nicole. We're going to start a new series today called Step Up, and it's all about what the Bible teaches us about money. Now, some people uh, get really nervous when you talk about money in church. Um, almost seven years ago, when I became the lead pastor, um, talking about money made me really nervous too. Still a wee bit, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, but I realized I wasn't helping anyone by avoiding a difficult subject. In fact, uh, I was doing the exact opposite. If we avoid uncomfortable or difficult subjects or subjects that make people uh, angry or prickly, uh, then I'm not doing my job as a pastor and I'm not following the example of Jesus. Um, actually, you are supposed to be uncomfortable in church sometimes. Can someone amen that to me? Amen. Okay, I'm going to hold you to it. Jesus, the master teacher, uh, continually challenged people in areas of complacency, of comfort, of sin. He pushed people out of their comfort zone. Uh, Jesus told people things they didn't like. <laughs> he told people things that made them feel challenged. And some people got mad, even at Jesus. But even when the crowds were angry, even when he was threatened, Jesus always continued to teach the truth. Um, ironically, I've never gotten an email from a tither upset when I talked about money. <laughs> In fact, um, they often tell me, I want you to talk about this more because they've experienced God's help and God's blessings and they desperately want other people to enjoy the same thing. About 30% of the time, Jesus taught, he addressed the use of money. Uh, and Jesus isn't primarily concerned about the money itself. He's concerned about the obedience and the motivation behind our giving, because giving is a way that it reveals the condition of our heart. Okay, giving is something that reveals the condition of our heart. So in this series, we're going to talk about three steps or levels of giving. And I've illustrated that with these um, steps that we built this week. Uh, the base level is what God expects for every believer. The base level is obedience. This is for um, every believer in Jesus. The second level is generosity. Once you have the obedience down, uh, you can climb up the step. You can step up to generosity. We'll talk about that next week. And the top level is rare. The top level uh, is sacrifice. And it's a completely different way to live. And we're going to end this series with that challenge. Um, but it all starts with the base level. It all starts with obedience. It all starts uh, with seeing what the scripture has to say, and being obedient to it. And the foundation of stewardship is obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 5, if you love me, you will, what's that word right there? Obey what I command. And so if you are a Christ follower, part of the deal is obeying God's commands. And this is true in every area of life, 
Okay, this is true in all of our areas of life, not just our finances. But the steps to blessing are always obedience. The steps to blessing are always obedience. So if you want God's blessings in your finances, you have to follow God's instructions. That seems really obvious, but many people never make the connection. They disobey God's instructions, and then they wonder why they don't receive his blessings. You know, sometimes we actually expect God to bless our disobedience. We say, I don't understand why you're not providing for me. Why aren't you giving me what I need? And we're not even taking the step of obedience that God says to do. So I want to start in the New Testament today uh, in Luke 19, and we find a parable called the parable of the 10 minas. And in this parable, a man gives one mina to each of his 10 servants and tells them to get to work. Now, a mina uh, is actually a good sum of money. It's the equivalent of three months wages at that time. And he was testing their stewardship and their faithfulness. And as Jesus tells it, when the master returned from his time away, he awarded the steward who had done well, and the king returned home. And I want to ask Pastor Andy if he would read to us from Luke 19, uh, 16 through 26. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant. His master replied, Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even that, what they have, will be taken away. Okay, so pop quiz, pop quiz, were you listening? How many servants were there? Ten. There's ten. <laughs> there were ten servants, and the master handed out ten minas, one to each person. I'm just making sure I'm right. Okay, yeah. So, ten represents testing in the scripture. Let me give you some other examples. In Egypt, in the Old Testament, there were plagues that harassed Pharaoh. Remember like the boils and the frogs and all that stuff. How many plagues were there? 10. Okay. His heart was tested 10 times. How many commandments are there? This one's easy. 10. Our obedience to these commandments are put to the test, right? God tested Israel 10 times in the wilderness. God tested Jacob's heart 10 times when he was working for Laban. There were 10 virgins in the New Testament who took oil out in their lamps. Okay, I could give you more examples. 10 means a test. Hmm. 10 means a test. So the parable in Luke 19 is a word picture about how God evaluates stewardship. What did each servant do with what God gave them? How did they handle it? 
Did they handle their resources God's way or their own way? And the concept of stewardship means that as believers, we are each assigned a different amount of material things to manage for God. And this is really an ultimate test for us because we have to manage the tension between whose stuff is it? Whose finances is it? Whose resources are they really? And it's a test. It's a test of our heart. And Jesus is teaching us in this parable in Luke 19, God rewards good stewardship. God multiplies good stewardship. Not only will he reward you in the age to come, but now as well. And he will reward you while you're stewarding what he gives you on earth. And so when we are obedient to what God wants us to do, he rewards that obedience. Remember, the steps to blessing are always obedience. The steps to blessing are always obedience. So now I want to look in the Old Testament at a passage, and I want you to look for the number 10, as we know there represents a test. Uh, Pastor Andy, will you read it to us from Malachi 3? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Okay, so this is interesting. The word tithe in the Bible literally means tenth or a tenth part. And remember, 10 represents testing in the scripture. And so the tithe, the tenth, is the test that ultimately reveals the heart of the believer. And the scripture is saying, bring your whole tithe to God. Like in Luke 19, there will be a test of how you are obedient to God. Listen, tithing is incredibly important for you and for me because it is a test of the condition of your heart. It is a test of the condition of your heart. So currently, how well are you passing this test? How well are you passing this test? Because God says in Malachi 3, the test is not only one way. He says, it's a test of how, what your heart is, but if you test me in this, I will show myself faithful. God says, I won't give you the test without passing the test to myself. And he says, if you do this, I will pour out so much blessing upon you that you won't even know what to do with it. I will open up the storehouses of God. Now, just really practically, maybe you've never heard of a tithe. A tithe is a 10% of your income. And 10% of your income is the starting point of obeying God. Now, for some of us who maybe have never given before, 10% of your income might feel much more like generosity or sacrifice. But the scripture says that obedience is 10th. It's 10%. If you earn $100, you give 10 back to God. If you earn $1,000, you give 100 back to God. If you earn $10,000, you give 1,000 back to God. Sometimes 10% feels difficult or daunting when the amount of money you're earning or receiving increases. You know, we can get into this trap of kind of picking an amount that sounds generous to us and we'll give that amount to God. 
you know, this feels sufficient. But here's the danger in that. In the scripture in Malachi 3, God didn't ask for a tip. God doesn't want you to decide what you think he deserves or what you think you can afford. Obedience to God is not about the amount. It's about the percentage. When you look at the amount and you decide you don't really need to obey God because after all, that's a lot of money, you move out from under the blessing of obedience. You move out from under the blessing of obedience and instead of obeying his voice, you are ignoring his instructions. And when you choose to obey God, excuse me, when you choose to disobey God, you choose to live without the blessing. I'm just the messenger. (laughs) Don't shoot me. God says, I gave you everything. Now give 10% of that back to me. My friend Adam Frano experienced this recently in a really tangible way, and I asked him if he would just come and share with us. Would you thank him for coming this morning? Good morning, guys. It's good to see you all. Um, so in our life, in Danielle and I's life, we, we got married at a young age. And when you get married at a young age and start having kids, that's an expense real quick. And in the first three, four years of our marriage, we had three kids right away. So we started to uh, accumulate debt real fast, and we were struggling financially. We really were. And we were newer to church, and we were trying to understand all of this of what she's talking about and trying to apply that to our lives and even with our finances. But we were struggling. I mean, we struggled financially for years because we just didn't understand how to change that mindset in our life um, and really start to trust God and, and start tithing. And so I remember sitting down with a mentor of mine at the time, and he was telling me, well, have you trust God with your 10%? And I just didn't understand that because I'm like, I don't have 10%. You don't understand. Like, I'm broke. Like, our utilities are getting shut off. It felt like this in our household, like, you know, this cold, right? <laughs> but I promise you, the church is paying, paying the bills, I promise. So, But uh, it, it was like that in our house. We would... They literally, we would have our utilities shut off. We couldn't pay rent. We were moving everywhere. Like it was a struggle constantly. You ever been there where you're just exhausted from just struggling with the same thing over and over again, especially finances? I remember sitting up at night, just just like sitting there, losing sleep, so stressed out, anxiety of how I'm going to pay the next bill. I remember when I used to leave at night and get in my truck, go around on trash night to find copper and brass and stuff just to try to pay bills. Like we struggled for a long time. And so when we started to actually apply this and started to tithe and started to just direct deposit our tithe every week, so we just knew that's where it was going, we started to see some things start to change in our life. But not only that, I started a business. So, uh, I own a plumbing business, if you didn't know that. It's called Affordable Plumbing. There's a plug. Uh, And so, (laughs) but I I started a plumbing business about 15 years ago. And when you start a business, that is, it's tough. And there's a lot of finances up front that you put into it. And so 
I'm sitting there and I'm struggling trying to make this business work and I'm struggling trying to get the finances, trying to pay my bills, do all this stuff. This is all happening at the same time. And I didn't even know if I can make it. But I remember somebody saying that you need to change your mindset. You need to start giving, not only financially, but if you started giving your talents and abilities away, you could test God and watch how he'll bless you. And so this one time, I remember I walk into this household and it was a single mother and I could tell, you ever just walk in a place and you just know somebody's struggling? And I could tell she was struggling. I knew things were tough. And so I'm doing this job, I'm doing this plumbing job, fixing her water and all this stuff. And it was about a $400 job in which I really needed the money. But I could feel God, like I could just sense it, like I should probably take care of this. Like I could feel God telling me, just take care of it, don't worry about it. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. So then at the end of this job, she looks at me and she goes, okay, how much is it? And I looked at her and I said, nothing. And she's like, what? And I'm like, listen, the Lord told me to bless you. And she started crying. She just lost it. She's like, you don't understand. I was praying. I was asking the Lord, like, how am I going to pay my bills? Like all this stuff. And I said, well, then see, the Lord is here in your prayers. Like he's here with you. He loves you. The fact that he would tell me to bless you just means he's here with you. And she lost it. And I remember walking out of there and I'm kind of tearing up and I'm just like, whoa. And so I started to apply that into my business as well. And so I'm not going to do free jobs for you if you call me. So don't be doing that. But, but if the Lord tells me to, I bless somebody. That's what you do. If you feel that sense, you just bless somebody. And so here's what happened. Here's, here's the whole thing that happened to me that set me free. Because I was so caught up in, in the money and so stressed out by money. And it, it caused so much anxiety, so much stress. That when I started to just give it away freely, when I just started to give it away out of obedience, the next thing you know, I felt like I was wide open for, to receive the blessings. Like it took that mindset of giving it away, just completely not caring about money so much and start giving away my talents, ability, start giving out my money, my 10%, all of that. And then I saw in return that my life completely changed financially because now it wasn't a burden in my life. It, wasn't, it didn't have control of me. And that's where you need to get to that place in your mindset of like, I'm gonna freely give this out to be able to freely receive the blessings of whatever God wants to give. And so I noticed that in our life that it, it just, everything started to be taken care of financially. We were able to buy a house, our credit got better. Like all these things started to fall in alignment and we've never been without ever since because we started to trust God in a different way. And we started to, to not let those things control us. And when we stopped that, that changed everything in our walk financially, so. Uh, there's some people who have questioned if the tithe is necessary uh, because it's an Old Testament principle. Have you ever heard that? So Jesus addresses this in the New Testament, and he's a pretty trustworthy guy. So let's look at that in Matthew 23. Uh, and uh, Pastor Andy, would you read that to us? Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but... You, neglect, you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. 
You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Okay, so this is Jesus talking, and he's telling the legalistic people that tithing only is not the way to please God. There are also other important things like justice and mercy and faithfulness and not being a jerk to other people. And Christ followers cannot drop something in the offering bucket. They cannot just give 10% and believe that is all that is required of them. Jesus is saying that would be missing the point altogether. But then Jesus goes on to say this, keep tithing as you should. Just don't tithe and think you're all set. There's no need to care about anything else. Tithing is the base level. It's the obedience. So, so just don't neglect everything else. But Jesus isn't saying that tithing is not relevant anymore. Interestingly, if you study the New Testament, and we will in these next few weeks, you will find that the challenge to be generous and live sacrificially actually goes far beyond the tithe. So if it's true that tithing is an Old Testament principle, then what the New Testament replaces tithing with is a standard far more generous, far more sacrificial than merely 10%. The New Testament does not lower the bar or give us a free pass out of it. In fact, it raises it that we shouldn't even stop at 10%. Tithing is a form of worship. The Israelites would bring to God their tithe it would be a portion of a crop or a small jar of spice or a tiny cake of bread. And it wasn't about the value in what they brought. It was about their heart posture. That's what worship is about. The little bit that we bring is actually just our heart's way of saying, God, you own it all. Like, I haven't forgotten you are in charge of this great big world. I can trust you. I'm not God, but you are. Proverbs 3.9 says it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. That Hebrew word honor, it means to acknowledge the importance of something. Its root meaning is that something is heavy or weighty or, or impactful or important. And so when you tithe, you're saying, God, you are the heavyweight of my life. I'm counting on you above any skill I have, above any business plan I have, above any investment I'll ever make, above any stock market that I'll ever see. You are it. I'm counting on you. And my primary goal is to worship you with everything that I have. That's what we do when we tithe. We give to acknowledge that God is the owner and we have confidence in a God that is so powerful that he will meet all of our needs. Lastly, tithing is really about trusting. Tithing is really about trusting. God wants us to know and trust him so that even when we can't see for sure what he's doing, we don't doubt him. Financial concerns seem to be an area that tests the trust of all people. No matter what economic level you are, God wants to use this constant, tangible area of life to draw us close to him. And as we give back to God in worship, we're telling God, look, I really do trust you. Like, I really do trust you. 
You give your money to so many other places throughout the week that you cannot trust. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, you give your money away to so many other things that could fold tomorrow, that could fall apart. Even they talk about the banking system, right? All these places, what's going to happen? If you believe that God can be trusted, then this should be the easiest check you write every single week. It's the person that's never going to fail you. He's reliable. God is not just honest. He is the truth. And so when he makes promises about providing for his people, we can know without a shadow of a doubt, he will carry that through. Now listen, when we hold back our tithe, we are virtually saying, God, I don't know if I can trust you to provide for what we need. I better hang on to this money for a little bit longer. The scripture tells us what happens when we trust in money or resources instead of God. It tells us all throughout scripture, but Pastor Andy, will you read two Proverbs that I chose today? Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Obedience trusts God in an act of worship, and gives 10% back to him. This is the base level. This is the base level of all believers in order to live a Christ-honoring life. This is the base level. So here's how I want to end. If you brought a tithe envelope today, would you dig it out of your purse or get it in your hands? If you give online, or maybe you've never given anything to God before, would you take, there's a tithe envelope right in your pew rack. Would you see it? My friend Virginia Edney put everyone in there. She probably prayed over that pew envelope. So you grab it out. I just want everyone to hold something today. Just hold it in your hand. This is just going to be a representation as I pray this morning. Maybe you've never put money in a tithe envelope before. That's okay. Just hold it. Maybe today you got to hold it in your hand and maybe next week you'll put something in it. I'm okay with that. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray in faith. Jesus, we want to obey you because we love you. And this is an area of our lives that we want to obey you without delay or hesitation. We want to make decisions that honor you and please you. And we need your grace. We need your spirit to empower us to obey so that we can rest and trust that you are working. God, you are the most reliable thing in our lives. You are the place upon which we can stand. You are the rock where which we can stand when the storm comes, as Pastor Don shared earlier. Would you give us more faith to trust you? You're reliable. You're trustworthy. I pray for those in this room that are having a hard time tithing. And God, I pray that you would put inside their hearts the trust and the faith that they need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that you will come through. Thank you for giving us resources to be used for your kingdom. Please teach our hearts. We worship you with everything we have, and we want to trust you more. And God, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.